Well, good morning, and welcome to year nine. That crazy! Wow, some of you guys have been here from the start, and and it, whether you joined us from the beginning or somewhere in between, then and now, we'd be honored to celebrate this milestone with you. Uh, we'll have that party right after this service, so we'd love for you to come down, even if it's just for a little bit. And if we haven't had a chance to meet personally, my name is Chris. I would love to just get to know you, so come up and, and please say hi, and also introduce yourself to Adam. You do this, Adam, Sebastian, Becky, and I don't think Audrey is going to wave. She's a little knocked out right now. But they're here from Juarez, Mexico, from Manuel Children's Home. I'll be having Adam come up in, a, in a several minutes here. And I want you to make sure you take time to get to know them as well. Well, eight years ago, we had our very first service down the road at Chippewa Middle School. And back then, ECC Kids consisted of about 10 families. And Replay was our only consistent small group. Our teen ministry was still a distant dream, and our entire church budget was about the size of a Kardashian shoe allowance for a month. That's where we were back then. But what we did have, what we did have back then, and the thing that is still our greatest asset today, is that we knew that God was in this. And we weren't able to just give lip service to that. He, he believed in this church before any of us did. And it's been so exciting just to follow his lead. We have story after story after story after story that confirms that this church was his idea and that he wanted to found a church. And one of my favorite stories is our name. I'll give you the short version now because most of you have heard it before. But my wife and I, we never set out to plant a church. I never set out to be a pastor. In fact, my wife swore she would never marry a pastor, and I certainly didn't want to become one. Then the idea of planting a brand new church from scratch, that was about as appealing as the idea of walking through a poorly maintained dog park barefoot. You know, that was not something we were looking forward to, right? Well, we got hooked up, excuse me, with this covenant denomination, and the more they encouraged us to give this a try, to give this consideration to planting a new church, the more I found myself thinking, okay, well, if we did start a church, what would we call it? What would we name it? And for about a month, I wrestled with that. You know, if we did, what would we call it? Well, then I got a little... I don't know, challenging with God or whatever, and I just said, okay, God, you want to plant a church? You want us to do this? What would you call it? And I'm not exaggerating. When I tell you with all honesty, right then, it was Emmanuel Covenant Church. And that was a turning point for me because I can get behind that. I can catch a vision for a church that's trying to live up to that name that God gave us, Emmanuel Covenant Church. If you're a note taker, there's a place to write this down. What does Emmanuel mean? It means... God with us. And I thought about that. To, to be a part of a church like that, where it's God with us, authentically saying, okay, God, it is all about you. It's not about I have a vision, my wife has a vision, a couple people have a vision, a launch team has a vision. It's about, okay, God, this is your idea. We'll follow you, and we'll try to become more like you. Absolutely. I can get behind that. Well, I want to show you something where this name comes from and how this name is linked to Jesus, if you're not familiar with this. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Matthew chapter 1. We're gonna, all of our passages are coming from the book of Matthew today. This is from Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 22. This is the, uh, a part of Scripture you often read at Christmas. This is speaking of the birth of Jesus, and they're referring to a prophecy that predates the birth of Jesus by about 700 years. And here is something that was spoken through the prophets that this person, Matthew, this, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, attributed then to Jesus. It says this, all this took place, all these things took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
This is something that is true of Jesus, um, that this was a name that was attributed to him, this idea that he would be God with us. When he walked, it would be God with us. Well, today, we're launching a brand new series, and we're calling the name of the series Advocates. And the reason I want to start here with this passage and who Jesus is, is because here is something that when God walked among us, when God came into our world, when God took on flesh and blood, as the second person of the, or third, second, third person of the Trinity. Here is one of the things that was true of Jesus again and again and again and again. There's a place to write this in your notes. One of the things that Jesus did is he continually introduced people whose lives rarely intersected. Let me repeat that again because this is so important. One of the things that God did when he walked among us as Jesus of Nazareth is he continually introduced people whose lives rarely intersected. He went out of his way to bring people together who normally avoided one another. He got them in the same room. He got them on the same hillside. He got them in the same house, around the same campfire. If there were two people who would normally avoid eye contact and duck into different aisles at the Jerusalem super target, what Jesus would do is he said, I saw that. He would get both of those people in the same line. He would make sure it's the slow line. You know what I'm talking about. The slow line, and then he would start a conversation that would be really awkward, but really good. That's Jesus. He did that type of thing again and again and again. If you still have your Bibles open, just turn a little bit from 22, right to chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. And here's one of the things that was true of Jesus. As soon as he's born, there's people coming together who normally don't come together. Look at this. Again, a passage we'd read around Christmas time. Usually, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star, it rose, and we've come to worship him. If we were to continue to read, we'd see that Jerusalem was buzzing. What is going on here? These people aren't normally here. What is going on and who is this Jesus that they came to see? From his birth onward, Jesus was a point of connection for people who didn't share the same background, didn't share the same ethnicity, didn't share the same gender, didn't share the same values, didn't share the same beliefs. Matthew's own life was continually changed by this. One of the reasons I picked Matthew is here is a person who was an outsider who was brought to the inside through one of these interactions. If you have your Bibles, just flip a little bit more to chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9. This one, I wish we had time to go through the entire chapter. I wish we had time to go through the entire book, but let's just take a little look here at chapter 9, starting with verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. And he said to Matthew, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, the disciples of Jesus, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Now, this is one of many places you see in the scripture where there's us-them language. Us-them language. The Pharisees were very religious people. The tax collectors and sinners weren't considered very religious people. And in that time, at that place, sharing a meal was a big thing. By sharing a meal with someone in that time at that place, you were saying, these are my people. And so here's Jesus, tax collectors and sinners, eating with them. It is only natural that the Pharisees would ask why Jesus would leave good guy nation, 
cross the border to bad guy nation, and then even eat with those sinners. Well, Jesus, as he's doing this, he overhears that side conversation between the Pharisees and his disciples, and Jesus speaks directly to them, directly to them. And he says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Pharisees, when they heard that, they probably thought, oh, who are the well people? That's us. Who are the sick people? That's them. What did Jesus expose? He exposed who are the well people in this narrative? Nobody except him, right? The only well person in that narrative is the great physician. Who are the sick people in that narrative? Everybody except Jesus, the great physician. The religious and non-religious people both need the great physician. And their need was sometimes hidden until Jesus brought them together. And then that need was exposed. Now, it's interesting. Again, one of the reasons I wish we had more time is we could go through this whole, whole chapter. Look, the very next passage, the very next part is, is more us-them language. But this time, it's not non-religious and religious. This time, it's religious, religious, religious. Take a look at this, picking up at verse 14. Then the disciples of John came to Jesus saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? There it is, us, them language again. This time again, it's not religious versus non-religious. This time it's two religious against one religious. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The day will come when the bridegroom's taken away and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins will burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. There's a lot of people who idealize the early church. The early church had all the problems pretty much that we do, right? Just without the internet. So they, there were these problems. And one of the things that, that the early church happened, that happened there, they began to identify with leaders other than Christ. And there were some that said, hey, I'm with Paul. I'm a disciple of Paul. I'm a disciple of John. I'm a disciple of Apollos. And they started to say, I'm a disciple of this person rather than saying, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And is that still true today? Absolutely. People identify first and forth, foremost with another brand, and then secondly, with Jesus. And I've been so blessed by the fact that God has taken me on a journey where I've had a chance to walk side by side. Most of you have. Most of you didn't grow up in one denomination or in one size church all your life if you grew up in a church at all. Many of us have had this experience where we have walked side by side with all kinds of folks. In my case, Lutherans, Baptists, Catholics, Methodists, Pentecostals, Independents, and now this group called the Covenant. I've worshipped in rural churches, urban gospel missions, suburban churches, international churches, house churches, small, medium, large, supersized, liberal, conservative, and most of you have too. And if you have, I know you can testify to this, how many people in those churches need Jesus? All of them. How many of them are sick? All of us. How many of us need that touch from the great physician? Every single one of us. 
We all have our prejudices. We all have our blind spots. We all have our deficiencies. We all have our weaknesses. We all stand in need of perspective and grace and wisdom and forgiveness. It's not a size of the church thing. It's not a denomination thing. It's a thing. It's a human condition thing. It's a sin nature thing. And it's often through extended interactions with others who aren't like us that those needs are exposed. When you continually surround yourself with people who think increasingly like you, you don't see these deficiencies, these prejudices. It becomes just the, the air that you breathe, the water you're swimming in. I'd encourage you to write this down in your notes. This is so important. It is often through those extended interactions with those who aren't like us that our prejudices and blind spots are exposed. And as the master teacher, Jesus knew that if you take the time to really learn somebody's story, or better yet, you take the time to walk that proverbial mile in their moccasins, it can be a game changer, can it? Amen. And the thing is, it can be true for those on both sides, right? Pick your, pick your divided issue. Pick your divided issue. It can be helpful for people on both sides because everyone needs it. And again, if I had more time, I would love to take you through more examples right from Matthew 9 and from elsewhere in the Gospels and elsewhere in the New Testament. This is, this is a big thing that Jesus did, this idea of bringing people together that normally weren't in the same area or would normally avoid each other. When Emmanuel walked among us, he brought about extended interactions between men and women, rich and poor, healthy and sick, ritually clean and ritually unclean, anti-government zealots and Roman collaborators, religious leaders, and those who were literally demon-possessed. He would get these people to interact. The world had never seen a person like Jesus of Nazareth. I would encourage you, I, I don't want to just say stuff like that. Fact check me. Show me somebody prior to Jesus of Nazareth who brought such diverse people together. I can't think of anyone. Jesus, there's a place right this in your notes. Jesus founded the most diverse movement that the world had ever seen. And to this day, Jesus continues to extend the invitation that he extended to his initial disciples to join him in that work that he began. Let's take a look back to our text, Matthew 9, picking up with verse 35. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I want to hit pause there because these people had shepherds. When you see that word shepherd in, in the scriptures, it didn't just mean a shepherd of sheep. That was a term for leader. And they had leaders back then. But what Jesus is talking about in part here is that they were quick to, those leaders were quick to lead people astray. It was the blind leading the blind often. And one of the things they did is they were quick to pit person against person, to put group against group. And do our leaders ever do that today? Absolutely. Today we still put men against women, poor against rich, sinner against saint, political party against political party, within political parties, candidate against candidate. Jesus was a different kind of shepherd. He taught us that our struggle is not against what? Not against flesh and 
that our ultimate struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now, he also taught us this, continuing where we left off with verse 37. Jesus then said to his disciples, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are what? Few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Now, I I chose not to start with the extended introduction to how divided we are because all you got to do is turn on the news or just look around, right? But let me at least just touch on it. We live in a world that is as polarized as it's ever been. Everywhere you turn, people are drawing battle lines between political ideologies, religious convictions, economic status, race, and gender. We divide our United States into red and blue. Racial tension is at its highest point in years. The 99% are at war with the 1%. We live in a culture that is literally hell-bent on demonizing the other. That they got it wrong, we got it right, it's us versus them, our side versus theirs. And may I present to you that Jesus nailed it here. There is a need for prayer. And one of the things that's implied here, there's not just a need for prayer, there's a need for us to have ears to hear that we are to be the answer to that prayer as the laborers. And just for the record, do I think that we'll always be successful? No. We're going to be batting way less than 500 on this one. It is not as simple as, oh, you just bring everybody together and get them to talk, and then, ah, it'll all work out. Did, what, did Jesus do that? No. Jesus brought people together, and there were swords coming out sometimes, and ears getting cut off, right? It's not that simple. Jesus doesn't say it's that simple. I'm not telling you it's that simple. Haters are going to what? Hate, 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 in the words of great theologian Taylor Swift. And so what do you got to do? Sometimes you got to shake, shake, shake it off or however the song goes. Jesus, didn't he say that? Very loose tie-in. He said, shake the dust from your feet sometimes. There's going to be people that just will not be people of peace. There are times you got to shake the dust off your feet and just keep going. But there will be some. There will be some. Like Matthew. Like some of us who in those introductions, we learn something about ourselves and others discover something about themselves because we all are not well. Sometimes we just don't know how deep our disease goes or the area that needs help. There always have been, there always will be those who will treat you as an enemy. But there always have been, there always will be those too. You can come on the other side of this as a friend. Each one, every one of us is called to follow the example of Jesus. We may bat way less than 500, but we're called to follow his example and continually introduce ourselves and others to those whose lives rarely intersected. Again, knowing there would be some whose lives would be forever changed. So I'd encourage you to write this down, then we're going to turn a corner here towards real specific application. The journey towards advocacy often begins with an introduction. That might sound overly simplistic, but this is true. The journey towards actually becoming an advocate for someone, it often is as simple as just getting to know them and watching what God does for that. If the spirit of Christ dwells within you, then what? here's what I've seen. I've seen that a lot of times it's that first step that's the hardest. Because you're stepping towards someone who probably doesn't necessarily like you, who's different than you. You're stepping towards something that's probably going to be awkward and messy, and that's really hard. 
But once you take that step, I've seen we've got this continuum. If you have your notes uh, or your bulletins, please pull out this purple sheet here. There's a number of continuums that you're going to see more and more and more of as we go through life here together as a church. These continuums of discipleship, of starting one place and through the Spirit and the Word and together we start moving further along. One of these areas, the continuum looks like this, moving from insulated to introduced to engaged to advocating. They present to you that if you will take that step of, of faith from the insulated, insulated to the introduced, the Spirit of God begins to take over because you begin to see this is another person who was made in God's image. This is another person who shares at the deepest level more in common than we don't, than we have dividing us. And that God himself begins to help us move along this continuum. Again, it's so hard to step towards people when there's racial barriers, economic barriers, ideological barriers. It doesn't come natural to move towards potential pain and rejection. But again, if the Spirit of Christ is in you, you take that first step, and I've, I've seen it. God begins to continue to move you along. Now, why do I say that? Well, I've experienced it, but also the Scriptures testify to it. Let me show you something really quick from Matthew 9. Now, here's a verse, Matthew 9, that we already read. Look what comes right before it. The great physician isn't just healing body. He's healing us whole. Matthew 9, 9, we already read this. Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax booth. He said to him, follow me. And look at this. Matthew then what? He rose. Matthew rose and followed him. Right before this, there's a physical healing that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Is from Matthew 9, 7. Jesus said to the paralytic, what does he say? He says, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. Now, you may feel like I'm just kind of playing with some words here. Go ahead, read Matthew cover to cover. Matthew's extremely intentional about everything he does. He's using resurrection language here. This is resurrection language. There is something within us that can be reborn when we trust Christ, when we encounter Christ. And what kind of resurrection could happen in your heart and mind? What kind of resurrection might God bring about in your life if you were intentional about getting to know people who are on the other side of an issue? or people who had a different colored skin, or people who make a lot more or a lot less money than you do. At the end of the day, you'll probably still disagree about a whole lot of stuff. You'll disagree about philosophies and policies and theologies. You'll disagree about a lot of things, but as you get to know people as individuals, is there a chance that God might use that step of faith to bring to light some false beliefs? and to bring to mind some new insights and reaffirm that we all have that need for the great physician. One of the things that I'm so encouraged about as I even deliver these words to you is I can point all over the room to all of you who are already engaged in these works. It's so encouraging. I've never been a part of a group where more people weren't more engaged doing this work. And we're going to highlight one here in just a minute, but we could have highlighted a whole lot of people who could help you make introductions if you'd like. This denomination we're a part of, I've never been a part of anything like this. It looks more like the kingdom of God than any denomination I know in so many ways. The news has been filled with so many stories of refugees. How many have heard a refugee story in the last, you know, right? Rob Scott launched Refugee Life Ministry. You want to get introduced to someone who is a refugee? and see how complex this is, talk to Rob. You can get an introduction there. 
The news is filled with racial tensions, especially in the city. What did Tim Anderson do? He stepped up and launched Ace in the City. Do you want to get into the complexities and make some introductions with people who are living in the midst of it? Talk to Tim. Last week, I had a fantastic conversation with Terry Nelson and the work he's doing in the, addic- in the area of addiction recovery with Teen Challenge. You want to cross some of those borders into people that are just wrestling with trying to put their life together, who are addicted to chemical substances? Talk to Terry. I've had conversations with Scott Carlson, Tom Lochner about prison ministry, the prison ministry they're part of. I think the worship band's going soon to the prisons. If you want to make introduced and begin to talk to people who are in prison and to be able to close that gap between um, your thoughts and realities, I would encourage you to consider talking to them. And there are even Sundays, believe this or not, there have been Sundays here where our ushers, we'll have a Packer jersey standing next to a Vikings jersey. Some of you have seen this, haven't you? And if you think that there is hope for the world, that's it right there, right? And so if you want to learn how you can make an introduction across those lines, just talk to those folks. Well, of all the introductions we could make, we're going to take a couple extra minutes here today, and I want to press into one. Not because it's the only one, but because it's one I want to press into. I want to show you the difference that an introduction can make. We've in the past invited a lot of our friends from Emmanuel Children's Home to come, and they've shared in, of so many different angles. Today, the angle we're specifically going to press into is this idea of introductions. Introductions. What difference can an introduction make, and can it really help move you along? So to get things started, I want to show a little video clip that they made. This is a great one. We showed all kinds of different video clips over the years, too. What I love about this one, it just fits this whole idea of Emmanuel, God with us. Here's a clip of just a bunch of kids experiencing God's love, God with us, and then kids, adults, sharing that love with one another. So just watch the clip, and then we'll have... Adam from the home and Christina from our church right here come and share with us.
Christina, why don't you guys come on up? Um, one of the reasons also uh, for me with the, when I felt God revealed a name for our church that I really got excited about that is because that name then links us with Emmanuel Children's Home. And it says in the Word of God, James 1.27, religion that our Father finds as pure and faultless as this, to visit, to visit the widows and orphans. And so for us to be linked with a place that is doing pure religion is just so helpful, especially when we're surrounded by such affluence, right? So I want to thank each and every one of you who give so generously um, to our church because it enables us to partner in real concrete, tangible ways with, with the home. And it's my hope right here that this will help maybe some of you who have, are on the fence, whether it's getting inter, um, introduced to the children's home or to something else, to really consider um, taking that step. So first, before we get into talking really uh, too much about the children's home, can you, we just do a little bit of introductions? Um, Christina, you want to share why I asked you to come up here with your new role um, and then and what, how that connects with the children's home a little sure. bit? So I'm stepping into a volunteer role of an outreach lead here so that when um, I have been introduced to the children's home, hopefully I will have the opportunity to introduce you to a lot of the great organizations and um, partnerships that we have here at Emmanuel Covenant um, and help you get connected and become introduced and engaged and become an advocate for some of these other organizations. All right, so your name is? Christina Freeman. Yes, and you have a family here, too. Sorry, I should have been Oh, yeah, that's elaborate. my yep. husband, Nick. Yep. And then my mom is here, too. Awesome, and she's been down there as yeah, well. Yeah, she's and, an advocate. All right, very, very cool. So it's great. So um, this is brand new. In fact, we're still trying to work out the details here, but Christina has offered to step up and say, I'll help to coordinate as a volunteer here um, outreach ministries. So if you've got questions about how do I get connected in the city, how do I get connected here locally, how do I get connected to the home, should be a great, in fact, your best point of contact here going forward. So then we have this other guy. Many of you guys saw, met him last winter, he said. It was November. He called it winter. Yeah. There's and snow everywhere. There's snow and everything. Well, anyway, could you just introduce yourself? Because there's a whole bunch of new faces here. Can you introduce yourself and then let sure. them know your connection with the home? Sure. My name is Adam Sebastian, and I'm the director of Emmanuel Ministries. We are Emmanuel Children's Home. We have a school and a church and house of prayer and different ministries that make up Emmanuel Ministries there in Wattis. And my wife is in the back there with our, our six-month-old baby. We also have an adopted uh, a kid that grew up in the home. He's 18 now and lives with us. His name is Andres. So this is uh, my family. Awesome. So now let's talk the introductions part. So how did you get introduced to the home, and then what difference has that made for you? Sure. So for me, I was, um, we just started coming to ECC, and Jesus introduced me to the children's home via the brochures and the videos that make you cry every time you watch them. And um, for a few years, I had felt the nudge to say, let's go to Juarez, but I was so afraid. I'm like, I can't, we can't. I don't want to cross the border. It's too scary. It's too dangerous. And so I was paralyzed by a lot of fear. And finally, I just during one service, I just said, that's it, we have to go. And so my husband and I decided we're going to go as a family. And so it's our two kids who are nine and, or 10 and eight. And um, we go down there, and we've been down there three times. Um, after being introduced to the home, you go down there and you think that you're serving, but really you come back feeling served. You feel so renewed. And all my fear that I laid before God's feet just turned into pure joy and connection 
and relationship. And so now when, when we come and we see these videos, we can point and we can say, there's Diego and there's Alexa. And because we have a chance to build those relationships with the children at the home, but also with the staff members. Um, and so now I have become, because of an introduction, I get to be in this place of outreach to become an advocate for this beautiful ministry. And that's one of our hopes for everyone is that we don't become the full-time brokers of this, but introductions get made and then you take it from there so that these are your friends, you know? All right, why don't you share a little bit about your, how did you get introduced to the home and then what difference has that made? Has that made a difference in your life? Uh, well, let's see. <laughs> About seven or so years ago, I was in Dallas making really good money as a software engineer. I actually uh, hired a financial advisor to make even more money to, to realize even more of the American dream. I thought I was living a great life and lacked nothing uh, until the, my, at my church they mentioned going to this place called Juarez. It was Juarez back then. <laughs> and so I thought I would, you know, get more involved in my church and make some good friends in my in my, in my church family, and so I couldn't even have told you where Wars was, Wattis. <laughs> and um, I mean, I, grew, I had grown up in a very pro, pro, um, very white neighborhood, to be honest with you. I had All my friends were white. I had one friend that I thought was Mexican, but she ended up having a white father and was very well-to-do as well. And so I was very, <laughs> very insulated, was a very good word, um, very ignorant, very ignorant about, about um, other cultures and other needs out there. And, um, you know, to be very honest with you, how ignorant I was, the conversations I remember before I came to Juarez about that culture was, you know, why don't they learn English? Why do I have to uh, press one for English? Isn't this America? They, they, they should press other numbers to learn, you know, to hear their language. And, you know, they should go back to where they came from. And, and these, this is what my experience was. I was extremely insulated. And so I go over to this place, um, hoping to make friends within my little white church family. And I meet those kids. And I heard their stories. I heard uh, the traumas that they had gone through. And yet here they are running around, smiling, seeking the Lord, laughing, living a very fulfilled life. And I suddenly realized that uh, there was something that my very insulated life uh, and my you know, nice job and everything was not able to provide for me. That these little kids in this, in this children's home had something so special that, that um, I needed to learn from them how, how to obtain. And so when I went back to Dallas, basically my life didn't make sense anymore. I couldn't go back to life as normal anymore. I, I couldn't work anymore. I, I couldn't think about my job and my, I had uh, deadlines and uh, I was over budget because I was spending too long to get some of these projects done and I was at risk of losing my job. And, and in basically a, a span of two months, um, God confirmed to me very, very clearly that I was to leave that and pack up and, and go and, and live in this children's home basically and find out what it was what, that these uh, little Mexican children had that, that I needed. It just, it's such a powerful thing. And again, our goal here is not to get everyone to say, Emmanuel, children's home is what I'm going to be an advocate for. The point is to find a thing where God is working, something that takes you out of that comfort zone and exposes you to all kinds of stuff you didn't know. It can really, really change your life. Now, if they do want to get connected with the home, what are some ways, Christina, that you would encourage them to, to 
to some steps that we could take. Do you have any thoughts on that? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Like, to do this in the first Look at service. that. Look at this. You can become a sponsor, and there's information in the bulletin about that. If that's something that you would um, want to do, becoming a sponsor is a great way um, to financially give to the home that provides for all the needs for these kids to be taken care of in the um, abundant way that they are. Um, it's also the opportunity for you to build a personal relationship with a child down at the home. And so if you want information on that, we, we're going to be actually set up down at the pavilion at the picnic um, today. So if you want to chat with myself, I know Sandy Peterson is down there, um, Adam, Becky, we would love to get you connected to sponsoring a child. We also have um, brochures down there on the children that have um, a little bit of their story so you can get to know them already just a little bit. Um, so those will be down there too. All right. And if they actually wanted to visit, are we going? That's right. If you want to visit, we're going on a trip. Again, we're partnering with Ace in the City, um, and so we will be going down with them in December. So if you're interested in that, you can contact me or um, Tim Anderson at Ace in the City. All right. How many of you been to the home? Some hands. Look at that. Is it worth, worth it? Yeah, it's definitely worth it. So we're going to be going in December. There'll be another trip, um, adults for sure, probably intergenerational in the summer, and then high school. We're going to try to make it happen this uh, summer. So consider coming on the trip. We would love to introduce you to people at the home. But bigger than that, we'd love for you to continue to make those introductions, whether it's a coworker, um, whether it is a neighbor, whether it is a person that you normally wouldn't have that conversation with. Be praying and prayerfully consider walking towards that rather than just continuing to step away. Um, the sweatshirts, it was kind of cool how they, they turned out as far as making introductions. Um, for some reason, we just kind of ended up with Emmanuel instead of Emmanuel Covenant Church. I really love this because it, it begs some questions, you know. Emmanuel, you could go all kinds of directions, right? What does it mean? It means God's with us. It's the church I'm a part of, and it's also a partner that we've got. Do you have anything else you want to add to things that have been said here or any other closing Sure, I just thoughts? want to say thank you. Thank you because uh, to this day, after all these years that I've been a part of the ministry, I have not seen any other part of the world other than that hill there in Juarez that is so dedicated to keeping this place going year after year. So thank you. Thank you very much for the bottom of our hearts. Well, let me pray for us as a group, and then I want to encourage you strongly, if you're not already connected to the home, or even if you are, say hi to these guys. Uh, they'll be at the table right out here after this service and then down at the plaza later this afternoon. Let me, let me pray for everyone. Father, we do want to come before you, and we pray that you will continue to help us become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. God, would you form us in his image? Would you give us his mind? Would you give us his heart? Would you give us the very spirit of Christ that within is changing us, that's bringing about a resurrection of all that should be put to death and bringing alive all that is so good that comes from you. Help us to be a church and help us to be individuals making up this church who are more and more like you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have things